We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's good, everybody, and welcome to the recap pod. Wild card weekend, super wild card weekend, some would say. Six games. I spent, I think, 20 hours of my weekend, Taryn, on my couch. I did my stationary bike for a little bit just because I felt like I was being a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean... It's it's a lot of just of staring at at a, at a TV screen, but yo that stationary bike thing that you mentioned, low key, great idea. Kind of sounds like a meme, like yo I watch so much TV that I just start riding a bike, but it's it still has the same effect whether you're watching football or not. I mean, you don't got to be trying to do the, the French Open or whatever it's called, but you know if you're moving, you're moving. The Tour de France, you mean? Yeah, what dude, I'm, I'm oh my god, right the French Open. I'm like, what well, we're playing tennis now? Yo, Jeez. I think it's I think it's my new discovery and love of chess that's got me all twisted. French Open. Wait, you watch like, uh you watch Queen's Gambit? I I just watched Queen's Gambit, but not okay. I have it the other way around. Everyone's like watching Queen's Gambit and then they're like, I'm gonna learn how to play chess. I just learned how to play chess, so then I was like, yo, maybe I'll like that show. So I watched it. Yeah, chess is too smart of a game for me. I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. <laughs> but I get what you were saying, though, because, dude, I ended up just pedaling 
for like the entire first half of the Rams game, which ended up being like a 90 minute just bike. Mm-hmm. And then I did it again yesterday for the, I believe it was that first game. Yeah. Ravens Titans. So it was cool, man. I, I mean, I was dripping in sweat after and, you know, I was doing like little um, like interval training within it too. So it was better than nothing. You know what I mean? So, all right. Again, Taryn is joining us. I did a terrible job of just introducing Taryn again, but you guys have heard his voice in the past. Taryn does some work with PFF and he's our stat guy and does some stuff with the show. So yeah, Taryn, we haven't done one of these in a while, bro. No, it's been a long time. It feels good to be back. Perfect time too. playoffs. Playoffs. And first and foremost, did you enjoy having six games on as opposed to four games on? Like you you mean with the new the new structure? Yes. Correct. Yeah. I I much prefer it for a couple reasons. I mean, I know there are some people out there, and hopefully this isn't you, because otherwise I'm about to come at you. They're like, Oh, only the top quality teams. We don't need another team, blah blah blah. It's still more football at the end of the day. And Shady, I think that only the number one seed having a buy is the right call as well. Like rewarding a team for being the second best is a little strange to me. That was what I was thinking yesterday, too. That if you should be rewarded for being the best team, which is what's happening now with your Packers and the Chiefs not having to play yesterday. But, yeah, you're Buffalo and you're the Saints. Like, yeah, bro, you should be playing. Like, mm-hmm. congrats. You're the second best team and you shouldn't get rewarded. So, I like it. It was fun. It was definitely enjoyable. Let's Let's go through each game man and recap we'll start with the first game that was on the slate we had the bills and the colts it was the first time bills mafia got to see this team and i wonder if that sort of translated in the sort of there were some uncharacteristic plays from this bills team some drops um, John Brown came back, but basically didn't come to play because he recorded nothing. He put up a zero. I played him in DFS. Should have saw that coming. But Josh Allen taking some terrible, terrible sacks, like just long, you know, eight, nine-yard losses and holding on to the ball. Sort of was showing the old Josh Allen, right? The one thing that Allen and I were very critical of and concerned about, I should say. Whereas I felt like you had to throw away the last couple of years of Josh Allen, Taron, because he didn't have Stephon Diggs in this offense. So that was my biggest takeaway of Josh Allen this year heading into this game. How do you feel about how this game played out? Buffalo goes on and wins 27-24, and now they are on to the next round. Um, it was in some ways as expected, uh, just kind of in the end result. I agree with what you said. It was a little bit, you know, Josh Allen had his his moments that he has had in the past. But I think a key takeaway that I had is it's nice to see that that can happen and now it doesn't necessarily cost them the game. Where, like, their their win condition for the, the, the previous couple of years is like, Josh Allen, don't screw it up. Don't do these wild plays, take crazy sacks, fumbles, trying to pitch it, any of that stuff. 
um, and we win. Where it's now, it's like he doesn't have to be MVP conversation, Josh Allen, and they can still win a game against a, a solid football team with a good coach. Yeah, that that seemed to be the biggest takeaway too. Um, I would have liked to see the defense play a little bit better for Buffalo because I was just thinking of, you know, Jack Doyle went wild, seven for 70 and a touchdown. Michael Pittman had five for 90. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, whatever, did what he could do. But, you know, the tight ends accounted for 14 catches. And I just kept thinking, oh, my God, what is Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey going to do to this team if they can't guard these jobber tight ends? And now you got these stallions coming in. So I'd be a little concerned if I'm Buffalo's defense. But, again, that's the first playoff game at home since the 90s for Buffalo. (laughs) And the fans got to show up for a little bit. Shout to our guy Piz, man. I saw he wrote in the Discord that he got tickets for this weekend. So that's going to awesome. be quite the experience. But, dude, I think for me, as I'm watching that game, I think it all starts and ends with Josh Allen. But I do think that the most crucial player to this team is Stefan Diggs because that guy is a bona fide alpha. And for all the hype that DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray got in the offseason and then throughout this season too, Hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's hard to disagree with that trade for Buffalo. And if you're Minnesota too, right? Like, dude, I was thinking about this. How many times has there been a trade in the NFL where both teams came out the way they did, and they both teams would probably be like, "Yeah, you know what? We we'd make that trade again, knowing what we know now too." Right. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. Um, it's it's crazy the the way they've just blended. Um, and it's like. A lot of credit goes to Diggs, um, but just like play to play. I don't know if you've noticed this, but on top of him just helping, Josh Allen has also just like improved. Like I think this Josh Allen on last year's team, even without Diggs, is a little bit better. He's throwing more accurate passes, putting some air under the ball instead of just trying to beeline it if it's over a 20-yard pass. And the mixture of his improvement plus adding a weapon like Diggs has just been massive. Dude, that's so true. With no with no training camp, no off season too, to just come in and it's like they were. It's like it was Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, right? Or Devontae Adams and right. and Rogers. Just chemistry right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs has tied Andre Reid with eight 100 yard receiving games. That's playoffs and regular season, including winning streaks. Seven straight games for the Buffalo Bills. Probably be like 11 if it wasn't for the Hail Murray. Yeah. Hail Murray. Yeah. So I I think, look, was the score closer than people might have wanted? Yeah, Buffalo didn't cover either. But I think the moral of the story here is maybe it could have been jitters for this team. Like, because now, bro, you got expectations, man. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not Buffalo going on the road to play Houston in the wild card round. Like, nah, dude, you're people are fucking betting and picking you to win the AFC. Yep. So I'm really excited to see what the upside is for this team going into this weekend, but don't want to spend too much time on that previewing because there will be a preview coming up. I want to ask you something about the Colts. Sure. 
What do you think they do at quarterback for next year? Man, it, I mean, it's it's tough, but like I would say they've got to do something. But even that is like a little bit hard to say, given where they are right now. I mean, Philip Rivers has certainly had his moments, and a lot of the games that they have lost have been Philip Rivers being looking like last year. Um, but they're just not in a great position to do much either. I mean, outside of a, you either have a late first round guy or maybe trying to trade up, or you're either looking at a Darnold Wentz, maybe a Matt Ryan, who I hear is possibly going to be traded, something like that. Uh, that's probably their best option. I just don't know that they're going to be able to draft a guy given where their, their position is and the amount of teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's the names that you mentioned besides that. Cause I, I don't know if you could go into the next season where rivers, you know, he was on a one year deal. I think we might've seen the last of Philip rivers. Mm-hmm. I don't think that dude would want to come and be a backup somewhere. Right. But I think at this point, if you're the Colts, I think you just know if I'm a team like the Colts and I kind of know what my ceiling could be with this quarterback, I got to move on. Mm-hmm. That's just my approach to this scenario with Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect way to put it with the ceiling, because with his age and the, the data that we have, he's not going to get better. So right. this is your this is your ceiling unless you can somehow have a huge massive influx of talent and then you know that still only goes so far. So you're either getting this year which was a wild card exit or he could decline further and you get worse. It's just I don't think it's something where you could stay put and be happy. All right, let's talk about the next game that was on the slate, the Rams and the Seahawks. Wow, was I wrong. Whoa. I don't know if you uh, caught my my take on this game with Allen. Allen said this was the game he was the most excited for. Well, second most exciting game. And he, I texted him during the game, and I was like, hats off, sir, on the Rams' defense call. Because he was telling me, dude, this defense is legit. They're going to be in games all the time because they have two of the four best players in the NFL on defense. And they go into Seattle with a backup quarterback who then gets hurt. And then the starter comes in who still has like a broken thumb, which that was chaos. But man, I think the story of this game, Taryn is Cam Akers. Okay. Yeah. 28 carries for 131 and a touchdown. He also caught two passes. I mean, they were able to do what they, whatever they wanted to do running the ball. And Jared Goff didn't need to do much. Just had to manage the team. Akers was running wild. Time of possession in their favor. Ball control in the trenches. And I think what we learned with Seattle was what my big concern was about them coming into the year. The one-score games are not going to always go your way. You're not going to always win the turnover battles. And sometimes who you play and who you beat is going to say a lot about you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I was really excited for this game. I, it's a little bit crazy to think that Russell Wilson just dropped a, a playoff game to John Wolford slash broken hand, Jared Goff, broken thumb, Jared Goff. Um, but since I think, uh, what was it? Since week 10, Russell Wilson's been PFF's 16th graded quarterback post week 10. He hasn't played all that well. I don't think that's all on him. I'm starting to have a little, be a little bit more open about my problem with this coaching staff. Hmm. I think Pete Carroll's a really good coach. He knows how to win. He's a good leader, but what is he, what is he bringing really? Other than, other than that, like what is he bringing from a schematic or a, a technical standpoint that gives the Seahawks an advantage ever? Nothing on offense. I would even say could maybe be hurting him on offense. Really like elementary pass concepts. Russell Wilson's always under pressure. He was pressured on more than half his dropbacks in that game. I know it's like Aaron Donald and a really good defense, but still you got to be able to like make things happen. And then, you know, if you're a defensive head coach, but John Wolford just hung 30 on you. And I know it's Sean McVay, but, and you're not the most talented, but still it's just like, something's got to give and when do we when do we change something because you only have Russell Wilson for so long and and you've now given him weapons you're trying to improve defense and here we are still with a wild card exit I hear what you're saying one of the reasons why I brought up those concerns before about who you're playing is because everyone was hyping up the Seahawks defense and how they finally got Jamal Adams full-time back, and they got Dunlap. And then you look at their schedule, and you're like, all right, man, congrats. This is who you've beaten in the last couple of weeks that, that everyone's excited about. You, you beat the Jets. You beat Washington. You beat the Rams with the – you beat the Rams. And then you beat the Niners with the quarterback situation that they have. So it's like you're not exactly beating world beaters here. And I think the, the biggest takeaway for the weekend is don't troll teams that you might have to play in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Jamal Adams was lighting the cigar for winning the division, and then Jared Goff mentioned it in his press conference, and he was like, yeah, man, you know what? Like, you should, you should be careful because you might see some of these teams, right? Juju dancing on logos and, and all that shit, which we'll get to in a little bit when we talk about Pittsburgh. Like, yo, they look, they look for bulletin board material. They look to get fired up, and they, they use that shit. Like, bro, athletes are petty just like everyone else is. Yeah. Like, just because you're an athlete and you're making millions of dollars, you don't think you're going to hear that shit on SportsCenter where they're like, oh, yeah, no one – they're not going to go into Seattle, the 12 – I mean, there's no 12th man there now, but they're not going to go in there with a backup quarterback and beat Russell Wilson. Hell no. And it's like, nah, bro, we saw, like, we saw what could happen. Jalen Ramsey – absolutely locked down Metcalf and if it wasn't for that play where Metcalf kind of the broken coverage and then at that point if you're guarding someone for seven Mississippi someone's gonna get open but man that defense is is no joke that dude Hill picked up picked off Wilson three times this year is pretty wow. crazy but man what else what more can you say about the Rams <sighs> just like so it was a tough dichotomy between being a little bit impressed and then more like disappointed with Seattle. Um, 
are like what did they do really that was much different or unexpected like i kind of thought when you give sean mcveigh a third time seeing a team in a year and a team that doesn't really play game plan specific defense it's like we have so much sample size of what these guys do and they're gonna do it 70 percent of the time against us as well especially when the defense isn't that talented like that's just that's what's gonna happen um and i'm not trying to like dog on the rams or i'm kind of dogging on both but like it's an impressive team i am a little bit worried for my packers next week um but at at the same time it's like this is kind of what i expected a, a little bit or i would have been a little bit disappointed if they weren't able to take advantage of what seattle is doing so weird seattle just i don't know man is is there do, do you think russ might be hurt like i'm trying to justify why he started playing so bad um i don't know if he's hurt uh i was looking into the numbers a little bit last week and there's some stuff that sticks out where it's like there's not a lot of quick thing, a lot of quick throws. He's holding the ball a long time, which has been his MO a little bit, but it's not always just because of his own fault. Like a lot of the past concepts, like kind of how I mentioned earlier, they're a bit elementary and take a while to develop. And when you combine those two things, especially up against a defense that's worth their salt, you, you he, he has to stand there and go through his reads and, if it's like, you know, easy to cover, then what is the guy to do? And when a, that's a big, been a big improvement for Aaron Rodgers this year. It's really, it tells a, a big story when you look at those two side by side, kind of how Rodgers was playing last year. Um, just the time of his release this year, much quicker. A, a lot of the schemes and the concepts have been getting drawn up, making things easier. And all of a sudden he's taking less sacks and it's, it's a similar problem that Russ has. And they just put too much on his shoulder with like, you have two really good receivers, but that's about all the help we're giving him. And so I'm not sure if he's hurt. I, my issue starting to lie with the coaching staff, but I, I guess who, who really knows. Talk about figuring out a team. You mentioned that about McVay seeing a team for a third time, but defensively do 16 sacks in three games versus the Seahawks. Yeah. It's about five a game. Like that's, it's a lot, man. That's a lot. And I know Russ likes to make plays and sometimes some of those sacks are on him, but mm-hmm. you know, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I, I would say more than half of them are on just poor schematics and just execution. And maybe like a handful might be him just trying to improvise, but still just, uh, it's rough. You know, the Rams are now two and overs, the Seahawks in the playoffs all time. Both were road wins in the wild card round. Fun little fact. And also Akers had the second most scrimmage yards by a rookie in a playoff game in the Super Bowl era. So what you saw was a pretty, pretty significant performance by Akers, who, you know, we uh, I played him in FFPC, which is the fantasy football playoff challenge like this big like professional league uh me and my buddy chris he's been on with the nba show we took a stab at him and you know he's 10 percent owned he's a he's a huge leverage play for us and we're like 500 spots from placing taryn but do you know what ffpc is yeah a little bit 
So it's like basically for those of you that don't know, it, it's too late to join now, but it's a, it's a playoff thing. They, they have like various different entries, but you, uh, you have to pick 12 of the 14 teams and you can only pick one player per team. We decided to exclude Washington and the Bears, which was a tremendous call on our end because no one really scored well in those games outside of like Logan Thomas but and, and Heineke, but you weren't going to take Heineke anyway, right? You know, so... So uh, we took we took Acres as as a big decider over there, and we also faded Travis Kelsey, which uh, has us both nervous because it's uh, super premium for tight end. So every tight end catch is one point five points, but we took uh, Ty Freak, so I could <laughs> throw up the deuces anytime he's running wild for seventy yards. But uh, yeah, man, we took Acres, and we we're really really happy with that performance. And you know, Metcalf got there. He had a he had a monster game if you look at the box score as a whole at the end, but it's kind of a no show. And he had a temper tantrum as well on the sideline because he couldn't get the rock. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good call. So how many? You said you're five hundred out from first in the in that. Yeah. How many like teams is it? Or oh, like five, sorry, five, we're, we're five hundred entries out of first. Oh, okay. Not points. Okay. You, uh, my okay. bad. No, no points. No, that's be- so good. Nah, point. So, so the guy in first. So we have eight players that advanced, which is dope, because like a lot of people have six, some people have seven, some people have eight. But now we're gonna have a dog in the fight all throughout the rest of the playoffs. Right. And then in the Super Bowl, whoever's the Super Bowl matchup, those points are doubled. Okay. So there, there's big leverage there. But you know, I mentioned I mentioned Heineke, how we faded Washington. Washington played the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you know the game was a lot closer than I thought it'd be. But Taryn, start us off, man. How'd you feel about watching this game? Um, I'm glad it was entertaining. You never know going into a game with the Washington football team and Taylor Heineke how how it's going to be if we're experiencing some sort of blowout or just bad football but it was fun to watch I don't know many people that really expected uh Washington to win but they kept it close that that defense is legit their front seven is scary and Taylor Heineke somehow decided to ball out for at least one game he had over a 90 PFF passing grade just passing so it's not even like his diving for the end zone heroics it was actually his passing grade which is a little crazy but also good on the Bucks. Um, being able to win that game, given that even though it's a bad offense, the offense played decently well for Washington. So they essentially played a pretty good offense, and we know how strong the defense is, and we're still able to come out on top pretty convincingly. Yo, I wonder what this game would have looked like, dude, if these Washington players were able to catch a football because they had a ton of drops in that game. Yep. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to, I just had the number. Um, I think it was the most by a team on the weekend, Washington football team, as far as the drops go. It had to have been. I mean, yeah, you probably don't even need the numbers for that. Just looking at it is. I know my buddy Josh was ready to just put his head through the monitor. 
because he's a Washington fan. And he's like, oh, my God. It's like these guys get paid to catch passes and they can't even do He's going off. He was saying a lot of wild shit in there, too. I'm going to refrain from saying for protection of Josh. But it was it was very frustrating to watch, man, because it seemed like there were spots where Tampa Bay could have been had. I don't think Tampa Bay's defense is as good as it once was or at least perceived to be. Remember, we were talking about Tampa Bay's defense as being a top defense. Then yep. they go out there and they shut down your Packers. And then everyone's like, yo, Tampa Bay, they could get this offense going. Godwin, Evans, all the tight ends and shit. And then they get Antonio Brown. And now it seems like the offense is firing. But the defense looks like I would be concerned because if Heineke was able to keep this a game, it's, it's rather concerning for their upside moving forward. Um, I agree completely. The the defense kind of regressed back towards the mean a little bit. It's not like they're bad, but there was a point where I was like, this is one of the, if not the best defense in football. And they certainly don't look like that anymore. Um, A lot of their players are young, especially in the secondary, which could be a part of that, I think. Um, But that's a good point. I mean, I know he played out of his shoes, Heineke, but the fact that he was even able to do that is not necessarily a good sign uh, going you know, for the rest of the playoffs. And then eventually if you're trying to make a Super Bowl run, you have to go through the likes of a, maybe an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes later on. <clears throat> and that thing's got to make you worried a little bit. Mike Evans from potentially missing the playoffs and maybe next season with a torn ACL in that week 17 game to Six for 119 on 10 targets. Uh, I know you've always been a Mike Evans guy, correct? Yeah, I've always been a Mike Evans guy. Wow, good good memory. Look at you. You know, um, I feel sharp today. You know, it doesn't look like it, but I feel I feel sharp. What do you think? What do you think of this offense, man? I mean, Tom Brady. He's been memed a little bit and, you know, throughout the year and he's had his, I was just having this conversation with some of my boys. He's had the, his doofus moments that like, looks like he shows his age a little bit, but he's playing well. I'm of the opinion that he's playing well, just from the eye test in general and the, the numbers back it up top five in PFF grade, top three in PFF passing grade. And I know he's got really good weapons, but there's some injury issues. And for a quarterback in his first year in the Aryan system, I think he's done really well because historically doesn't go well at all. And he hasn't had Arians hasn't had any Brady's necessarily, but still, and it's also very contradictory to Brady's typical play style and how he's played for the last couple decades in new England. Um, they have the offense and the weapons to hang with anybody if 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 Brady's firing on all cylinders and the the scheme is working. So now the defense is more of a question to me. If if they're healthy, it's it's scary. I mean, it's just like what we've been talking about all year and why they were so hyped up in the offseason. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Tom Brady, then the tight ends, um, and now Antonio Brown too. There's it's a lot to handle. Fournette having a monster game, 132 yards from scrimmage. He looked fantastic as well. <clears throat> yeah, man, there, there's just something about him, and I think it is defensively. 
where uh, I'm a little bit concerned with them. Let me ask you one last thing about Washington. We live in the moment. That's just our society. That's our culture. That's our 2021. Yo, I thought Heineke was the best quarterback play that they've had all year. And he's a free agent. What do you do? Alex Smith, his future is up in the air. He's going to take some time to clear his mind and see what he's going to do. Heineke's a free agent. You don't have Haskins. Do you draft a quarterback in the draft? Like, what do you do if you're Washington? My buddy Josh is uh, said he said, "Yeah, I agree with you. This is the best quarterback play we've had all year. He's mobile enough. The guys loved him, right? You saw that one play where Chase Young ran onto the field and he's pointing to the back of his jersey, like, yep. yo, I'm a I'm a body language, uh, team language kind of guy. <clears throat> I don't even think team language is a thing. I completely just like it tried to now. make team. Yeah, it, it is now. <laughs> now on the show, it is." But, like, yo, that shit resonates with me, bro. Like, one thing, dude, when a super throwback, you probably don't even know this clip happened because this was big. It was a Giants moment. But there was Daniel Jones's rookie year. It was a practice. And they were doing a, a inner squad pra- practice with, like, another team. And they ran a read option with Jones. And he kept it. And he ran for, like, 40 yards. And you see in the background, Saquon, Sterling, just going crazy. And I was just like, yo, that like, they fuck with him. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a like, you ever saw that movie Draft Day? Yeah. Remember like one of the knocks on that, that one prospect was like, no one came to his birthday. Mm-hmm. Like. All those dudes are going to Taylor Heineke's birthday, bro. Like, they're going yeah. to rage with Like, they were down. So, I think, yo, if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm like, fuck you, man. Like, we we had such bad quarterback play all year. We won seven games. Sure, the division is laughable. We're not going to debate that. I, I think you go with, with, with Heineke next year, man. Yeah. To that point, too, even on the same team, remember last year there was multiple times, um, even that clip of, Dwayne Haskins like arguing with his offensive line like it was it was a shit show the whole energy is completely different you know just bringing it having a different guy in there it's tough though man this is one of the things where it's like if you're a fan of a team and you're probably gonna make the or you could make the playoffs like do you want to make the playoffs do you how far do you want to get how many games how many wins do you want to luck into knowing that like what really is the future here you're the odds of you even getting deep into the playoffs let alone actually winning a super bowl are negligible and then and then you're stuck in this kind of situation so i mean he's probably a good bridge quarterback i guess you could sign him for a year or a a couple for on not too much money and but like nobody's really expecting him to be the guy just because he had one good game. And then it's, and then it's, what do you do from there? As far as in the short term, they're similar to the Colts where they don't have a lot of options. Their scenarios are a bridge guy like Heineke, which at least they have that option. Um, Or looking to like trade up in the draft. Um, they've just got a lot on that roster then if they, you know, go ahead and sign Heineke, they're still, what are we doing with Alex Smith? What are we doing with mm. Dwayne Haskins? So, it, well, they, be they, they already know what they're doing with Haskins. Oh. He's going, 
yeah yeah that's hopefully let's yeah but um it'll that's a team i hope can get it figured out though regardless i know you probably don't feel the same given that you're they're in your division but they've been kind of uh, bad for a long time i want ron rivera to have success um they've got some pieces a strong defense if they could get the quarterback situation figured out it it could be really interesting What's good, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. Guys, I've used host sites in the past. They charge $15 to $20. This is better. It's just flat out better. I didn't receive no personal cover art. I didn't have access to the top podcasters at the company or a Discord that I could chat with people. I didn't have all that. So this is the best bang for your buck. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so you can get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Okay, what everyone said was going to be the marquee matchup of the weekend was the Titans and the Ravens. Ravens go on to win 20 to 13. And I think, Taryn, you couldn't draw up a better scenario for Lamar Jackson. Literally checked off every single box that people had concerns with him, mm. including myself. Like, and I, I tweeted it out right when the game fell into that scenario of the issues that haunt Lamar Jackson down double digits. They're down to nothing. They're on the road. They're playing a team that has beaten them back to back times. They had a chance to beat them three times in one calendar year. Right? Like, well, in one year's time, I should say. And it was it was everything that was up for grabs. Everything was up for grabs, I should say, for Lamar Jackson. And look, he didn't do it with his passing. Mm-hmm. Like, he was efficient, but he threw a pick. He had, what, three or four wild plays? And I think that's how you got to measure Lamar Jackson performances like how many wild plays because i think this team needs him to be that special in order for them to win i mean yeah they they certainly do and he had those i'm of the opinion that the tennessee titans lost this football game that first quarter is when that's what you want to see if you're a titans fan against the ravens um it's the way that they've been able to be had and 
it's just man it was actually really frustrating to watch for me like quarters two through four just what happened why are we running Derrick Henry just into this offensive line for two yards of carry over and over and over again when Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown are clearly making it work and you want to put pressure on Lamar to throw the ball because he wasn't throwing particularly well. He had some good, he had some bad, but him to 179 yards through there, like you said, he didn't beat them through there and he didn't need to. They made silly decisions, I think, um, and mathematically too, as far as when you're kicking field goals or, or punting the ball away. And then it's, let me see here. Ryan Tannehill had 165 passing yards total. A hundred were in the first quarter, which is when you're in the position that you're in the position you want to be in against Baltimore. So it's like, there's one thing going away. It's one thing going away from like what's working and like stepping off the gas a little bit, I guess, um, when you're up to try to, run the clock out but it's not a team you want to do that against if there is one it's certainly not baltimore and this is what happens when you do that kind of thing this was one of the first questionable decisions of the playoffs as far as people lost their minds when the titans punted on that one drive in the fourth quarter they had the ball on their on on the Ravens forty, mm-hmm. and they decide to punt. Where where do you stand as far as to go scenarios? Because I've been outspoken many many times. Where if I have a quarterback, bro, with how many kickers miss field goals, dude, your boy, your your team is, is the example I always would go to the Packers. Mm-hmm. How many games has Rodgers lost in the playoffs where he goes down and he either ties the game or sends it to overtime and then he just don't touch the ball again? Yeah. Like, yo, I'm going to go for it on for I'm going to go for the two-point conversion and I'm not going to kick it in. I'm not going to kick the extra point so I can get tied and then it goes into overtime and then I, I lose a fucking shitty coin toss, and now Carson Palmer got the ball. Fitzgerald breaks the tackle, and before you know it, well, don't worry. I bet the Packers that year, so it hurts me too <laughs> financially. But what I'm saying is like, yo, it's – what was it? It was, it was fourth and two on their 40. Down right? four, this, right? If what's I remember up? It, they were down four, or is that the call? Yeah, they're down, they're down 17, 13. You're yeah. on their 40-yard line, like – Come on, man. Have some faith in your offense to get you two yards. Simple. Yeah. You go for it. It's that's like just not even. I feel like the general person looking at that game um, and seeing the situation, that's a that's a go for it situation. Um, And not even the the math guys like myself, which are like the numbers say this is a go for it 100 percent of the time. Um, That's. I, I like Mike Rabel as a coach because of his energy and like, I, I think he's a cool guy, but those are one of the things it's like those little decisions that can ultimately change a lot of outcomes. Um, and it's a, I look at it like compare it to a Sean McDermott, who's typically very good in those types of situations. Like 
it could change the entire game and probably would have. That was one of the things I mentioned at the top when I said they lost this game. They just shot themselves in the foot. I don't know why you're just playing scared, even if you're not an analytics guy. Two yards? Like, come on. It's man, it's, it, it was really tough to watch. I was one of the people you said people were upset. I'm people. Cause I was not happy that they punted that ball. Yeah, it was weird, man. It was a weird game. It seemed as if there, there were parts of that game and I'm watching it where I felt as if no one wanted to win because both of them were just doing really questionable things. And you know, the, the call on Willie Sneed, I thought was very, very harsh. Mm-hmm. That pick play, yeah, yeah. Did he pick him? But I, I don't, I don't think it was that. I don't think that guy could have made that play either way. I love that they called no flag on the Humphrey and AJ Brown touchdown, like no push off. Yeah, man, it's just yeah. two, two guys are hand checking. Like exactly. you know what? That's weight room. You gotta get your weight up there if you're Humphrey. Like mm-hmm. AJ Brown was a whole ass man on that play. Like let, let let guys play, man. I don't want the referee to dictate many things. Lamar Jackson now shakes off the snide, gets his first playoff win. What do you what do you think is the the ceiling for this Ravens team? I think they're good enough to be a Super Bowl contender, but I will very rarely favor them in any game um because I just think the offense has a ceiling that most people don't realize or don't agree with just because of how flashy they are. A lot of the things that some of the incredible things Lamar Jackson does myself included, I was in awe at how fast he ran like 50 yards for that first rushing touchdown he had. I was like, I don't know how a dude is moving so quick on my screen, let alone a quarterback. And it's those sort of like, wow moments of, of his, athleticism that really hides the fact that I I do believe they have a ceiling. You're not beating a lot of the best teams with 179 yards passing. You're just not, you barely did it to the Titans. And we just talked about how they shot themselves in the foot, even in that game. So I'm a lot lower granted. I've always been on Lamar Jackson, thus the Ravens as a whole. So, but I mean, they're strong. They could do some special things if you don't defend them the right way. And if you don't have an offense that can put points up, you can be had. I just, I think their ceiling's a lot lower than some people. All right. Saints versus Bears. Kind of a snooze fest game. It was interesting in the beginning. And then... I feel like the entire game changed when that dude whims dropped that pass. Mm, yeah. Which was just an absolute dime by Trubisky. Probably the best throw he's ever made. Like, no, no lie. That was a beautiful throw. Yes. For him to drop it there, it just seemed like such a you just took the air out of the balloon, right? Like that analogy. And then from then on, it was just a lot of Camara. A lot of touches of Kamara. Breeze just chipping away, picking up first downs. Michael Thomas looked to be himself coming back. Dude, some kid tried to get on me on Twitter because I tweeted some shit about how um, Breeze has been. Because it was, oh, that's what it was. I got the tweet right now. 
there was a tweet about how he uh he might retire after the season and i tweeted yo he's been retired since 2018 <laughs> and some kid came out of nowhere like yo he led the league in completion percentage are you watching the games the moment someone tells me if i'm watching the games i kind of just like it's like politics with me it's like yo. yeah bro i'm watching the games i don't talk to you about the fucking fourth lineman on the penguins because i'm not watching the game so i'm not going to tell you about that when it comes to this clearly i'm watching the games but he just kept going on and on and he's like yo they were 30 and 8 and then i started looking at the numbers and then he's like bad take i was like bro we talk about slant boy all the time completion percentage to me taron useless stat yep that's up there sam bradford led the league in completion percentage you know how many teams wanted you know how many teams would have taken other quarterbacks over Sam Bradford? All 32 of them. <laughs> like, that doesn't – that completion percentage, it don't mean nothing. Complete over half of your passes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, for, for especially me if, like... You're, if, if, if you're not doing – if you're doing high percentage throws, like, those don't mean nothing to me, bro. If you're going to check right. shit down, like how Breeze has been playing with the Saints, and even yesterday – Anytime he was making completions, it was to Harris, career high in targets. It was to Michael Thomas. It was to Kamara. Everything was underneath. So, yeah, his completion percentage is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, he's going to be 28 of 39 because he's throwing everything underneath. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. It's one of those, like all, but especially completion percentage, where you can't use it as any evidence for anything without context. Like, just in a vacuum, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot because – for a guy like Drew Brees or like an Alex Smith, these, you know, check down Charlie's Teddy Bridgewater, high completion percentage is way different than someone like a Josh Allen, for example, who's uncorking it way down the field. Then a high completion percentage is impressive. You know, oh, James Winston threw 30 touchdowns. Just sure by itself. That's wonderful. <laughs> he also threw 30 interceptions. So it's, it's one of those things that really needs context. And um, I'm with you completely. 62.5% of Breeze yards yesterday were after the catch. His average of the target was his third lowest this whole season, which he's always low. So low for him is like mega low. And it, he, I really think he's washed. And it's it's been showing itself through and through all season. And he had to deal with a really bad injury too. Like what can you really expect from them at this point, which is a little bit weird because they've been sort of a powerhouse for years. Um, but it's just the, you played the Chicago bears and your, your playmakers made plays. It was pretty much that simple. Yeah. I, I ultimately think that he holds them back. Yeah. I, I would be with you. He can't get in shootouts anymore. It's no longer, ah, we got Breeze. We can, I think now it's become, oh, we got Breeze. It's more, a little bit more panic and hesitation in your voice. But look, yo, you got two all pros in Kamara and Thomas that could take over games. You know, there was a report about Michael Thomas from a, I have a friend of mine who covers the Saints. And he was telling me like, dude, they could have played him the last couple of weeks, but they sort of, like he was healthy enough to play. But they just elected to, you know, you, they couldn't catch Green Bay realistically. Like, unless Green Bay, like, really slipped up. But you looked at the schedule, there was no kind of L's on their schedule. 
and they decided to just shut down Michael Thomas until the playoffs came around. And his first touchdown in like 385 days, they said. It's crazy. But yeah. yeah, man, there's not there's not much else. I do think that some of those Bears defensive players that were out for them, it definitely showed. Like Roquan Smith not playing was a big one. Um, but besides that, man, I think I think the game played out the way the way I thought it was gonna play out. Yeah. Another <laughs> there's been like a little bit of a theme, which is kind of weird because it's all playoff teams. This time both of them the quarterback situation is what, what do you do? And these are both teams that I think with a top 15 quarterback or top 10 quarterback would be very strong teams and both in really weird spots. The saints, especially man there. I, I, I don't know. The cap stuff is kind of confusing, but they're like way over the cap. They've got a quarterback that's probably going to retire, but they're in the playoffs now. So it's like, do we draft a guy? We don't have a lot of capital. We don't have cap room. And then the on the other side of this game, the Bears, dude, there's a lot of fans that want Mitch back. I can't believe it. Yo, I'm all for it. Give him, drop a bag, sign him to 10 years. I'd love my boy Mitch to stay down there in Chicago. That would make me, nothing would make me happier. But it will be really interesting to see where they both go. I think the well, anytime there's a scenario like that, bro, it comes down to what can you replace him with? And if like a report comes out and they're like, it's like, yo, Watson wants to go to the Bears, then yeah, Bears fans are going to be like, yeah, let's get, if we could get Watson, like, sure. Sure. But if the, the replacement is Nick Foles, I think Bears fans are like, yo, we saw that already, man. Like, nah, I'd rather just, at least this guy's fun to watch, right? Like he does some wacky dumb shit every now and then and he can run and pick up first downs and whatnot. So maybe there's that. I think the real question, and this is a nice segue into this Steeler game is, dude, Colts, Rams, Bucks, Washington, Bears, Saints, Steelers, all are going to have question marks at quarterback this offseason mm-hmm. all for different reasons but the craziest thing is that Brady's 43 years old and like arm strength hasn't diminished it don't look like like Brady it's not the play that is falling apart for him but some of these other guys is like isn't it crazy that Brady's much older than these dudes and he doesn't look to be that much older than these dudes am I making sense oh it makes it makes perfect sense it's insane like Breeze is up there, obviously, and so is Ben. But like Tom is man that TB twelve. I mean, right? It's got to be. I don't. I don't even know. It, it's insane that he's been able to do it how he's doing it for so long. And the oldest, it's exactly what you said. The oldest quarterback in the playoffs, and I'd be fine with them running it back with him. He's the only, that's the only team out of all the teams that you mentioned where I'm like, you can just run it back and you're chilling. Um, some of them might have to, but for all the other teams, I'm like, your best option is probably to not run it back. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah. Which brings us to Pittsburgh. What a, what, what a, a dude, if that was to happen to the giants, what happened to them in the first quarter, I'd cry. <laughs> I would like, I would fall into a, a deep, deep depression. 
like a sports <laughs> depression. Yeah, you know I mean, like you know, when you have sports hate for athletes, like I have sports hate for Deshaun Jackson. I'm sure he's a nice oh, guy. Yeah. I'm sure he donates to charities, but I fucking hate him. <laughs> like sports hate. <laughs> so I would, dude, if they were down twenty nothing, like, oh my god, what on earth happened? What, what would you? Where are you putting the blame on this one for uh, the terrible towels in Pittsburgh? I mean, it, it was all Ben, especially for the first quarter, what got him in the hole. He looked like garbage. And I know the very first one was like a snap over his head, but also, yo, I was cackling at my TV, see, seeing him and James Conner just look at that football <laughs> on the one-yard line. I was like, what are you guys doing? And then he just proceeds to throw the game away. And there are a lot of people that are like, yo, you still threw for – 500 yards and four touchdowns yeah a team against a team that was playing prevent defense for over half of the game congrats like with injured defensive backs on top of it uh, that was just the browns played pretty well given their circumstances and big ben really held the Steelers back Man, you never want Big Ben throw. You don't want any quarterback throwing the ball 68 times. He had 501 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, a lot of drop passes again for Pittsburgh. Like, I don't know what's been going on. They start off the year 11 and 0. They finished the year 12 and 5. So they went 1 and 5 in their last six games. Terrible. They couldn't run the ball all year long. I think running back is a big need for them. Connor, tremendous story coming back from his issues with cancer and whatnot in college and, you know, being a very serviceable running back. That ain't it, Chief. Not there in that backfield. And, you know, Juju, the box score looks beautiful. 13 for 157 and one on 19 targets. Deontay Johnson, same thing. But, man, a lot of just drops. You're talking about, like, easy drops, Taryn. I'm not asking you to go up one-handed like Odell. You're talking about just, like, wide-open passes. And, look – some are Ben too, Ben overthrowing guys and making it more difficult for him. But I think the biggest story here is you kind of knew that even though, even though Pittsburgh cut it to like 11 at one point, it just seemed like anytime Pittsburgh had some momentum, they would shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, right. 100%. And it's like against a team where they were. Th- some of their circumstances, they were there to be had, you know, with injuries in the secondary and the whole coaching COVID situation and everything that they've been going through, like just to bungle the the whole game or at least majority of it like that was, is wild. And it's, it's sad for their fans. Just like, man, this was like half the, everyone's by week 10, you know, best team in football. And they just completely fell off of a cliff. Um, do you like do you like what they have weapons wise? Other than you mentioned the running back, but like, I don't mind their receiving core. No, I don't. I don't mind their receiving core at all. I think it's tremendous. I think yeah. as a whole, there's there's not many units I would take over them. Right. And I think their offensive line is fine too. I just think that. Eventually, teams figure it out, and they're saying, Ben, you got to beat us throwing. Mm-hmm. And it's just you have to have some sort of a running game. 
We're not asking you to go 60-40 run, but you have to be able to, you know, you're up 10 and you want to kill the clock. Like, you have to be able to pick up first downs and get the chains moving that way. You know, there was one thing that the Ravens did to go back to them. Like, on that last drive, bro, they threw on first down. You're like, what are you doing? Why are you throwing on first down? Your, your quarterback, he's not Pat Mahomes. Like, that's not your forte. You want to run the ball and, and kill clock like that. And then when you throw the ball and it's incomplete, you stop the clock. You give extra time for the Titans. They have to save a timeout. So I like the receiving core for Pittsburgh. I think the big concern is like, yo, this is yet another time that they fall flat in a big spot with Tomlin. And, yo, look, I don't want to put too much blame on Mike Tomlin because Ben had four turnovers. And also, like, I don't think they, they counted that first one that was a the safety on Ben Roethlisberger because he got snapped over his head. But, man, there's just something about, like, it's another bad playoff loss, bro. You lost to Tebow. You lost to Bortles. Yeah. I know those Ravens teams were good, but you lost as a big favorite to the Ravens with, uh, with Joe Flacco. And then, and then yesterday also with the whole COVID shit with Cleveland, and you just were so flat. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that kind of thing. It's it's hard to not look at the coach at least a little bit. I I had a similar thought when I was kind of going through it um, to you in regards to Tomlin. It felt a little bit to me how I felt with like Pete Carroll, but like there's the big difference there for me is one's got Russell Wilson, one's got a likely washed up big Ben. And at least, you know, Pittsburgh's got a really good defense. I know they got dudes everywhere, but it's like some values being provided there, but I, I don't, you know, I don't think he's devoid of blame. It's not like I'm like fire Tomlin and I don't think you are either, but I, I don't think it's a situation where you put it all, all on him or even majority, but. Maybe that's just me. Nah, they got they got hit with the injury bug at a bad time when they were cruising. They started losing a lot of guys, all on defense too, in particular. And then, yo, it just seemed like these guys couldn't. Like the fun thing to do now is to make fun of Juju and the wide receivers with their TikTok stuff. And yeah, I was guilty of that too. But yo, that's that's the thing, man. You if if you want to do all that shit. By all means, but just know that when it's not going well, bro, people are going to come for you Mm -hmm. and they're going to call you a distraction and they're going to think that your antics are the reason for your performance. So it's the same It's the same analogy as the one that I've always had about, like, people put up with your bullshit when you're talented and like when you're performing and like, bro, if if these were to be Ben's numbers. 500 yards, four touchdowns, four picks. Juju had 13 for 157 and one. And like the Steelers won. We're not, we're having a completely different conversation. Yeah. But you ended up losing and, and good for, good for Baker. Good for uh, Jarvis Landry too. Good for Mm -hmm. those running backs. And now they got a tough task at hand. If you're Cleveland. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm really happy for them. I love a lot of those guys. It's a team that I've always wanted to do well for at least the past few years. Um, you know, hopefully they get the whole COVID situation, everything sorted, and they're okay there. But man, coming off of a high, you better 
you better focus up real quick because you're running into a buzzsaw. If if anyone was ever running into a buzzsaw, it's it's Cleveland next week. That's for sure. Without giving away too much, because I'm previewing with Allen, he's pulling up on Wednesday for the show this week. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you the floor to talk about Packers Rams since you're a Packer fan. I have one big question: mm-hmm. How we feel about this Adams Ramsey matchup? I. I was already thinking about it earlier um, and, and tweeted about it. That's going to be the most interesting part of the game, uh, for sure. And could, I think the most compelling 1v1 matchup of the whole weekend. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. It's It'll be one of the best all year. I mean, they were hyping up. They hype up Jalen Ramsey, DK Metcalf, every time that those two teams play together. And DK Metcalf has not been on Devontae Adams' level yet this season. So it's... It'll be really interesting. I think playing in the cold helps. Um, there was a car accident on my way home today because there's black ice on the ground. It was like 10 degrees on my walk to, to my car to go to work this morning, and I'm 150-plus miles south of Lambeau. Those L.A. boys are going to be a little bit chilly. And I think even if he doesn't – Devontae Adams is too good, I think, right now. Technically – like not like like technically sound and his his route running ability and his release those sort of things to be completely shut down and nullified whereas uh, dk metcalf his that type of receiver it's i'm big and i'm fast um and jalen ramsey's very talented and could deal with either but he's more equipped to deal with the physical i think so i don't think he can be shut down completely and then if he gets his even a little bit, he could have one of his worst games all season. A little bit of production is all we need. And then you just have to look at Aaron Rodgers and this offense against, uh, can they put up more points at home in Lambeau against an LA team led by John Wolford slash thumbless golf. And I'm not extremely confident just because the fan in me is always going to be nervous. And it's they're playing like the best defense in football, the Rams. Mm-hmm. So if there's someone to shut down our offense, it's them. And teams have done it. We've seen it against the Bucks uh, earlier in the year. But I, I think that there's enough enough there. And the offense at home is just – we could have a rough game. And, you know, even if we put up only 20 points, which we're averaging close to 40 – I don't know that the Rams offense can hang in Lambeau with what they've got going on right now. It's going to be fun. First game of the slate too. That's the first one on the menu. Yeah. So you'll be, you'll be put out your misery early if anything. Right. So I can either be riding high or extremely upset for the rest of the, of the weekend. We'll see. There you have it. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Pleiates, Devin Rendon, Jake Powers, Corey Johnson Hoops, Ryan Pisner, and Mike Wozniak. There's merch coming on the way for the names that I mentioned, but in specific, the ones who I reached out and DM'd you and got access to you. Be on the lookout. You're getting some stuff sent your way patreon.com slash veterans minimum to support the show 
at the lamb shows where you can find me at veterans minimum where you can find everything for the show please go follow us on all the social media outlets youtube channel is pumping out content as well taryn what's the handles where can they find you it's gonna be at taryn caravella that's t-a-r-e-n-c-a-r-a-v-e-l-a there you have it catch you guys next time Watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it.